0: Well, hello and welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries uh, as we are venturing through Ephesians chapter 4, the part 2 section here, uh, as we are dividing the uh, chapters, uh, some of them at least, half and half, as these chapters kind of cover um, two completely different topics in one chapter. So sometimes I found it a little easier to kind of to cut them in half and to focus on these particular things, and so... I hope it's worked out if you've been listening and I'd like to think it has because there's so much to it. There's so much to each uh, to each chapter, to each to some of these verses. Again, as I said in the previous chapter, you know, the book of Ephesians is small, but the waters are very deep in this book. And so we want to make sure that we are uh observing the depth and observing uh everything that's underneath. And so I just love the I love this book so much, you know this small little book because it just Paul just covered so much with all the right words and and again, you know thank god for uh for us having these epistles because these epistles have changed our lives these epistles have brought us into a place uh, in eternity with Christ in order for us to to know him to to get closer to him and and to be with him and by that. In the previous uh, the previous uh, week that uh, we taught chapter four here, it was in walking in unity, or better yet, as I titled it, our call to unity. And again, this thing, this whole uh, thing of unity, has become what I like to call a lost art. There there isn't a sense of unity very much anymore. There's uh, there's more of a uh, what I call the the trinity of darkness: the me, myself, and I factor. Well, God doesn't call us to be about ourselves. He calls us to be unified with him and, and amongst one another as well. So we have that call to walk in unity, that call to be unified with each other through Christ as he came and brought us to, into his presence. Yeah, I, said, I said it last time that we cannot create unity. God already did. But he, he calls us to, to maintain the unity and equips us to maintain the unity. And praise, praise and glory be to Him. Because again, it's true, we can't do it. All we, we are guilty of messing it up. You know, we, we cannot take credit for the unity. But only man can take credit for messing it up, because that's exactly what we do quite well. <laughs> so, God help us. God help us to, to uh, stay clear of that whole way of life, if you will. Satan divides. That's that is his thing, and when there and when there is a a division that was not because of the Lord, the Lord doesn't come in and be like, "All right, guys, go ahead and do whatever you want." No, He wants love, unity, and truth, and, and so that's what He gave us in the previous few uh, verses of, of the beginning of chapter four. Now in the beginning here of what we're going to in the second half of chapter 4 is that of, of the new man. The, the new man. So how are we a new man or a new woman? Right? We, we have developed the concept of unity. So now through that, how are we displaying ourselves as a new man or a woman in Christ? Because if we're not unified, if we're not walking in unity, then we are not a new man or a new woman in Christ. We're we're the same stagnant person that kind of wants to walk in the kingdom of darkness that we used to walk in. We have not grasped the the true light that that he was teaching us to grasp and and wanting us to grasp. So, with that, Paul's going to give us some more wonderful insight on what the new man is and what that looks like. And, and again, get ready to, uh, to, to follow closely. You know, th- seeing this is kind of like, uh, let me give an example of like having a mirror that needs to be cleaned. We're going to take a good look at ourselves and how we should look. So, we, we're going to need some glass cleaner here. And we're going to need to make sure that our mirrors are cleaned very good so we can see exactly how it is we are to look. So, in verse 17 of chapter 4, I'm going to be starting us off... Um, in the first couple of verses of 17 through 19, that says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So when we look at the issue, what he says, the issue of Gentiles spoken here, we can look back at the Old Testament. On when uh, God gave instructions on what to do and not to do in moral aspects. And why he gave that, such as things like in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Numbers, and Deuteronomy... That was that was all given, those instructions, because of the things that Israel's neighbors were doing, which were detestable things in the eyes of God. Now, the very first place of how that happened and why that happened was basically the land of Canaan, which is what we know as Israel. But it actually stretched a lot further. Canaan stretched from what was Israel to the Gaza Strip, to uh, all the way up to the section of Lebanon. But the, uh, the, the, the Jews didn't take that section of the land. They only went as far up as, as to, the, uh, to the border, if you will. The history of the Canaanites were wicked. I mean, we're talking vile here. The things that they did, the things that they did to each other, the things that they did to their children, to their neighbors... But yet, you know, God was what he calls himself long-suffering. And long-suffering he was because, you know, he promised Abraham that that the land would be given and and that his descendants would inherit that land. So they wouldn't be inheriting that land until 400 years later as Moses was going to be making his way into the promised land with the people. Uh, and then we we could also observe other neighbors, such as like the Edomites. You know, the Edomites were also another paganistic nation that had problems with um, um with the is Isra- uh, with the Israelites and with the Jewish people. Um, the Edomites were technically of um, oh, what is it? The uh, uh, J- Jacob's uh, brother Esau was from that area, and so. They were they were considered a very uh very vile enemy of the Jewish people, and they had very uh, strange paganistic practices. We had Egypt, okay. We could look back at Egypt when Pharaohs, magicians, challenged Moses, and they had they had powers as well. But those powers were not God given; those powers were powers of evil. And then, of course, let's not forget about Sodom and Gomorrah, one of the most evil and wicked cities uh of its times to the to the point to where where God says that you know what this place has to go and so fire rained down on that on those cities and and completely destroyed them so this gives us an idea of what he was saying on the outlook and the ways of the Gentiles. Because Paul experienced this easily as well, uh, with Ephesus and also in the Corinthian region. Uh, the Roman areas that Paul was also very aware of, because Paul was a Roman citizen, had a lot of debauchery. Now, is this saying that the, the Jew would not do the, uh, do things that the, you know, that the Christian would not do uh, this. No, they, they they have done this. They have suffered greatly through this uh, and due to this. The Jewish people, Christians as well. You know, God has punished the, the, the nation of Israel for the things they've done over the years, and and there should be a recognition by our walk who we are some you know who we are right we should be recognized in our walk by who we are because someone intoxicated could be seen easily that they do not live sober soberly especially when they walk so what this indicates is how bright does one glow in the dark is what this indicates see we see baptism we see baptism as the recognition uh, uh, of our new of our new life of the new man, as Paul is saying here right, and i 'll explain that in, in the new man or woman uh, the, the baptism was basically to to be a recognition of that. You have given your life to Christ, but now you're making a public recognition of that. And if you've ever um, seen somebody baptized before, I've always told people, I was like, observe someone's face before they're in the water, and and then observe them after they emerge from the water. Because if there's something I've learned is that we have the ability to change our minds, but only the Holy Spirit can change someone's heart, and especially one with a hard heart because one of the worst things to happen to us
1: is a uh,
0: is a numbness to sin if there is no conviction th- then we're in trouble if someone runs over your foot with a car and, and you know and, and the pain mecha- mechanism doesn't go to your <coughs> excuse me doesn't go to your brain well then there's a problem okay recognition of light and the, re- the reflection of Christ is the image that we want to bear. And that's the image that Paul's trying to give us here. Now let's take a look at verse 20 through 24. And it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth uh, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, as I mentioned putting on the new man with the symbol of baptism, we we continue to grow. We we continue uh, to change. We're never to be stagnant. And uh, there was this preacher named uh, Harry Ironside. And I love this story because he was approached by a well-known atheist. Now, I didn't get the name of this atheist. But he approached Mr. Ironside wanting to debate him. And what had happened was is he hands him a note. And the note basically was the indication that he wanted to debate him. So Harry Ironside says, well... Okay, I will debate you on one condition, and the atheist said, "Well, what is that?" He says, "If you can bring at least one person, if you can bring at least one person that can that can uh, speak of the benefits and the great things that atheism has done for them, I could bring at least a hundred person people." I'll bring a hundred people that have been changed by the power of God, and most of them were prostitutes, drug addicts, and so on and so forth. But if you can at least bring one to speak of the good that atheism, is, atheism has done, I will gladly debate you. Well, the, the well-known but yet unnamed atheist <laughs> waved his hands at him like said, no thanks, and walked away. Now, there is no such thing as perfection in a human body or a mind, but there can be transformation. You know, I constantly brag about the people at the church that I'm a part of because they are the examples of what Paul is speaking about. Now, I'm a bigger fan of all of them than they'll ever be of me, but yet we all have a mutual love for one another, as we should in the image, in the design and will of our Lord. There's this one sister at the church who, you know, uh, she had a past where she was in juvenile hall in her teens. And I'm not, not, I'm not sure for what, but she was there. But now, she is an amazing mother in her 30s. She's a CEO of a nonprofit organization that does so many amazing things for people and for the youth and in the form of jobs and housing people, uh, helping prisoners get back into society and so on. There's probably a few other things that I'm not aware of. And then her dad, I met her dad, I, I, I didn't even get, get a chance to have a conversation with him, but we were at an event together at the church where he actually came in from out of state, but we got to say goodbye to each other and we, we embraced one another as if we were family. Family. But I found out afterwards. I found out that he was in prison twice in his younger days. I think once for armed robbery or something. Now I'm telling you, if you met the man, you would have never guessed that he had that past. I felt such a love and a light in him that that his his family is the model of what is being said. And I also can't leave out the I can't leave out my sister's younger cousin. <laughs> my my little my younger brother my nephews I'd like to think of him. This young man showed up with her to church, and he didn't say a whole lot when he was first there for a little bit. But the next thing you know, he's he's singing in the worship team, blowing the roof off. I, I actually recorded him doing a solo song, and and as for me, I was blessed and proud of him to see him up there. These are just some of the examples that I witnessed that pertains to the to this text. New men, new women who have been transformed. Okay, we could look at like a fruit that goes bad, like a banana or an apple that rots, it rots from the inside first. And then it eventually shows through the outside. But you see, when it's attached to the vine, it's alive and well. And when you learned Christ... You have learned more and better than anything on earth. So again, that's the challenge here. You know, Paul called them out here that you've not learned Christ. You know, the Ephesians had um, they had their issues, they had their things going on. But again, I mentioned the inter- the interesting thing in the beginning, and when I first taught Ephesians, the interesting thing about the the Church of Ephesians that's actually the most well known church in the New Testament. It's the one church that's been mentioned the most out of all of them. But, you know, they were a work in progress. Let's take a look at verse 25 through 27 now. Because now we're going to be looking at some uh, very important things here on what not to do as well. It says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This is the passage that refers to grieving the spirit. Lying to each other. Angry at each other. I will continue to say this. That God is a God of multiplication. The devil is of division. And he will subtract as well to eliminate anyone of the Lord. See, verses 27, verse 27 says, Do not give place to the devil. It says, If you have seen wrath division, anger, lying to each other, well, then we have given place to the devil. Be angry and do not sin. Many will say, well, easier said than done. And then, did Jesus get angry, some might ask? Well, yes. When uh, that one time when we seen the money changers... And, and the people, uh, you know, the, the the people were ripping off, the money changers were ripping people off outside of the temple. And that is where the actual Gentiles would worship, was on the outer courts of the temple. But what they did was they were selling a bunch of animals out there for sacrifices and ripping people off. Jesus saw that and got angry. So what had happened was is he started flipping the tables over and he chased off uh, other people there but here's the interesting thing but when he looked at the table where they were selling doves see Jesus didn't flip that table over it said it in there he said he looked at the doves and said get these out of there he never touched the table harming the doves so yes he was angry but it was a righteous anger no one was harmed People who have to go to anger management classes were typically court-appointed because they did something out of anger to get them in trouble. That probably resulted in someone harmed or something destroyed. And many out there before Christ dealt with anger, but do not anymore anymore uh my own pastor in in the church that i grew up in had major anger issues and i'll i'll talk a little bit about what happened to him but you know as he uh in his story he had a father that was um, he had problems with his father was abusive uh, to to him and to his mother and uh, he had a drinking problem and so on and so forth um so there there was issues there. He had a lot of anger in his heart growing up. Uh he was a very violent person. And in in fact he um he went to a uh, a party and something at a, something happened at a party where he almost killed somebody. Well, through that he had to go to Vietnam uh because he had the he had the choice to either go to prison or to join the Marines. Well, he chose the Marines and he got shipped off to Vietnam. And so from there, he fought in Vietnam, and he went through he went through what a lot of um, uh, Vietnam vets went through. But he ended up having to to fight and kill other people. So he left there in a mental breakdown, got discharged, married his wife, had kids, and was angry angry as always, doing horrible things. Wanted to uh, he was abusive to his wife and wanted to kill her and and one day uh, when she left him and he came home he busted up the house and he was planning on shooting it out with the cops he said and then the he was going to kill his family and he was going to shoot it out with the cops and then kill himself if need be. So while he was at home waiting for his family to come home even though they weren't coming home he busted the house up and he took he took his uh, his shotgun or his rifle and he hits the television with it and on comes a pastor by the name of Chuck Smith who in the early 70s was on this television show preaching the gospel and he was basically ignoring it at first and then he he said he pointed the gun at the television because he was going to shoot the television but then something hit him and then he ended up hearing the message, falling to his knees, giving his life to God, and he was never the same since. He's been a pastor for, oh, I don't know, I want to say 48 years, somewhere around there now. Many who are with the Lord say, I no longer deal with these things because he has the ability to change all things. It's like when people like like David prayed in the Psalms, asking God to create in him a new heart. He used the word para which, which para was a Hebrew word that means creating new from nothing. It's not like rebuilding or repairing something, but actually it's like something brand new, like a car off the factory showroom. And, and these are the proofs of that verse. These are the actual proofs of that verse. And, and so that's what we're looking for. Is for a new heart, and that's what and that's what we're called to be—new in all things, completely changed, washed, and rebuilt, and made new, whatever have you, <laughs> better than before. Now look at twenty-eight through thirty-two, and that should cover the end of this, uh, the end of chapter four. But it says, "Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, w- w- what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need." Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were uh, sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We can see this as a spiritual and a scriptural antibiotic. Now that Paul has described certain things of what we were in our sickness, here is how to, to be now that you have been healed of the things that you have been infected with. If you have a doctor that literally cares about you, they're going to not just help heal you, but they're going to give you the instruction and the prescription to keep you from getting ill. If your doctor is grieved, you have a good doctor. Uh, there was someone who was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary who wrote a book on Bible study methods. I had to read it when I was in Bible college. and I remember hearing him saying that his his own doctor told him, He kept coming to see him, and his doctor just flat out told him, he says, if you're not willing to lose at least 50 pounds at least, do not come in and see me anymore. Now, that sounds harsh, but he was being truthful. It's like if you are a drug addict, and you are seeing a longevity doctor, and they're not trying to stop you from hurting yourself, they just want your money. See, these things Paul wrote grieves the Holy Spirit, and by stopping these things, we please the Holy Spirit. The Lord is pleased, and if He is happy, then all is good. When you receive the Lord as your Father, your Savior, then the Spirit lives within you. Your change is the proof of the seal and the guarantee of His existence. And one of the greatest important aspects taught here is what Christ taught in the Gospels. And that was a forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, a lot of people want to display foot washing in in church services because Jesus did that for the disciples. And and what he did was he was commanding them to serve one another. Now, we do not see this being done um, over the duration of the New Testament of foot washing. This was a cultural thing in the ancient East. It was signifying servanthood in the ultimate form of humility. But this is being displayed in some churches, uh, displayed in in, uh, public form. But what about true forgiveness? What about true forgiveness with those around us being displayed? Are are we displaying something that is a real attraction, a, a real joy to the Lord? Right? For, forgive, the Lord said. If you do not forgive someone of trespasses, then neither will you be forgiven. See, forgiveness is, is proof of his existence in us. You, you can do all the service works in the world. But if we inhabit unforgiveness, then it means nothing. It's kind of like exercising and receiving no physical benefit. We could remember the time when Jesus on the cross yelled out loud before he died. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Displaying a heart of forgiveness that no one could ever do. See, everyone it doesn't matter who it is. Everyone, it doesn't matter who it is, because all people want mercy when they mess up. But but are they willing to show it to others? Christ is willing to show it to you right now for anything and everything you have ever done, if you ask for forgiveness, he will give it if you um, If you ask him to come into your heart, he will come. You know perhaps you've seen the painting of Jesus knocking on the door outside of someone 's house in the evening time in that picture that painting it was a meaning of him knocking on the door to come in to dwell in you. See, he never kicks He never kicks a door down and comes in. That is what demonic spirits, spirits do. That is why we call it possession. They come in and break in and destroy your house being your body inhabiting your soul. See, Jesus will gently knock. It will be a gentle knock with a knock that would cause someone a curiosity of who is it on the other side. You know, has many people ever knocked on your door... Some people do it loudly, you know, that annoying banging. Some bang on your door. Some may have even tried to kick it down. But even his knock is gentle and pleasant. It is the knock that you would want to answer. I answered that knock about 35 years ago. It'll be 36 years in March. And I remember the sound of that knock clearly. Now the question is, is he knocking now on the door of your heart? Well, you could let him in right now if you feel led. You could let him in right now if you feel led. And I want to give that opportunity, which is what this is about. Teaching the word of God. Preaching the word of God. Equipping the saints. Teaching things that may have never been heard before. But more importantly introducing you to the Savior and, and the Father that you, that will love and care for you always. And the Father and the Savior that's giving you a place in heaven for all eternity because He died on the cross and wants you there. He has a place for you. And if you feel led, you have the opportunity right now to receive that place with Him. He wants you, don't matter what you've done. Don't matter how bad you are. You know, the worse, the better. <laughs> you know, I've told people before, though. There's people out there that said, oh, I, I have such a boring testimony. There is no such thing as a boring testimony. The Bible says that whenever somebody whenever somebody comes to the Lord, that all of heaven rejoices. So I don't care if you were the worst person on the face of the earth or if, or if you were a good person and received the Lord. They're cheering for you just as loud no matter what you did every soul that receives the lord is a party up there and i want to rejoice as well but i want you to i want you to focus on him i want you to to listen to his voice and i want you to listen to his knock a very pleasant knock a very inviting knock that makes you want to answer that door So if you feel led, you can say this prayer. And this prayer is you opening that door and letting him in. So repeat after me if you feel led. Dear Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you to cleanse me of all of my sins. Wash me of all of my sins, Lord. And thank you for dying for me on that cross. I receive you now as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. And may we walk together all the days of my life, Lord. And may you receive me when my time comes, Lord, as I have received you. Father, I thank you, and I love you, and I praise you. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, I I hope and pray you enjoyed this uh, end of this chapter, of chapter 4. You know, take it. Take it and run with it. Listen to it over and over. Read it yourself, because if you do that, you're going to see so much more. That's the Word of God. It's powerful. It's active. It's living. It comes to life. And it brings other people to life as well. So, Continue to follow along. It's, again, my pleasure and my honor to be a part of you and and helping you to to grow in the Lord or to uh, introduce you to the Lord if you have said that prayer. And what's neat is is if I never see you on earth, (laughs) we're going to see each other up there one day because we're family. We are now blood-related by His blood, the blood that He shed for us. So much love to every single one of you. And may God bless you and keep you. And may you walk with Him always. God bless you.